Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 94 of the Farbia Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Australian guitar wizard Pliny discusses his first band, and I recommend the progressive collective introspect. Before all that, I welcome JT and Jesse from ERA onto the program. ERA, a progressive metal band out of Alabama, and they are about to release their self-titled album on March 19th. They came on to discuss why they decided to self-title their fifth album, their Queens of the Stone Age cover, Theremin's casting a film adaptation of one of their songs, and more. Before we dive with Jesse and JT, here are some of Snowblood from the New Era album. Jesse, your your Instagram bio lists you as a nefarious rascal. How has living up to that uh, label been for you in this uh, in this time? Um, it's been pretty tough to live up to being a nefarious rascal in social media for a few months because I don't. I, it's it's like it's hard to feel enthusiastic to uh, kind of post on the internet and be funny when there's not a whole lot going on in day to day life. Um, I feel like we're all a bit a bit more nefarious when we're in our normal routines and on tour and stuff. But uh, <laughs> not a lot of shenanigans happening. Yeah, yeah. So could be better, you know. <laughs> I, I saw be a bit more mischievous. I, I saw you moved in the last year. How is uh, being out here in California been for you? It's been cool. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's not a whole lot of California things that are that you can do right now because everything's sort of still somewhat locked down. Um, but yeah, doing outdoor stuff has been sweet. And without giving away your exact street address, what's your general location? Uh, I'm in the valley. Cool. Yeah, that, 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 that's general. That's, that's appropriately general. Perfect. Enough. That encompasses a lot of things. And then JT, your Instagram is largely banned stuff, but there's mention of Sony cameras. Have you figured out your home's golden hour for lighting when you're uh, setting up shots or anything? Four thirty. Four thirty. Right now it's four thirty. Actually, it's like, like right now it'd be the angle where my house is in orientation with the uh, the sunset. It just comes right through the window and illuminates the kitchen. Really cool. If, Super bright. If you need a dip to get a photo, I completely understand. Um, <laughs> Nothing to shoot right now. <laughs> No, no pets to showcase and try and get like Instagram famous. I have a whole folder of him already. So, is there ever enough? What cat dog? What are we talking? My roommate Kyle has a dog uh, named Russell. We call him Russ. He's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He looks like Scooby Doo. Awesome. What, is it, what are yeah. his crime solving abilities like? Uh, he's a he's a real piece of shit. So probably not <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, he's going to jail. Yeah, he's definitely the one we're, we're trying to get. You take a mask off, it's the actual dog. That's fun. Well, he wears a muzzle when people come over, so if that tells you anything. rut Um Yeah. I guess we could actually talk band stuff. I could talk about this magic dog all day, though. Um, why now for a self-titled album at this point in your, your career? Because that's usually like a, a first album move, but we're at five, I believe. Yeah. Um, Something like that. 
there uh, a lot of bands that we like had done self self titled records like kind of in the middle or late in their careers. Um, Deftones, I believe their self titled is their fourth record, and Alice in Chains is another example. Kill Switch. <laughs> Kill Switch. They have the two, I think. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I feel like it just, uh, we just really like it. <clears throat> we all just intuitively felt like it was a fresh, a fresh sound, and it also feels kind of like all-encompassing of sort of the the records we've done in the past um, and the more recent ones. I don't know. Like, uh, it just kind of feels like it sums up everything. It just felt appropriate. If you talk about it from a standpoint not including the music, we we used that as an excuse for the uh, the new signing. Um, we hired some more people on our team for this whole like record cycle process, which includes help with uh, um, our aesthetic, our, our, our audio and visual stuff that goes with the music, um, kind of like the whole universe we're creating surrounding the the record kind of represents the self-titled as well. But yeah, like he said, like a fresh start. We're just, we're approaching everything slightly different um, and with, uh, you know, more of our bases covered, just thinking about everything in general. So it, it is kind of a reset for everything, not just not just the music. And were you guys hesitant it about... Felt, it just felt right. Were you guys hesitant about putting it out now when you can't immediately tour? Yeah. <clears throat> um, that's why I was delayed. Um, it, it was going to come out uh, kind of around September of last year was the goal, but we held on to it because, you know, during that time, there was like a bit more optimism about when touring would come back and things were still a bit uncertain. So, so yeah, so once we realized that it was becoming more and more unpredictable when touring would come back, we realized we couldn't really hold off of that any longer and then we just needed to put the record out. So at this point, I mean, we're, you know, writing more music again, so we don't want to, like, have a new record finished by the time this one comes out and then put them out too close to each other or anything like that. So, yeah, it was just time to put it out. Like, we, we can't hold on to it forever. And it's been in the can for about a year, though, right? How, do you still feel as connected as you did a year ago? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, I mean, yeah. <laughs> not much has changed in our lives to really have really changed that, other than just probably listening to the songs a thousand times. It's almost yeah. like Which, we've just kind of been on pause. <clears throat> usually usually uh, a year after recording a record, I, I typically would be fully like past it, like as far as like my attachment to it, um, which I think is like a, a testament to how good we feel about this record. Is that That's still a good sign. Cool. Yeah. Like, I, like it's, it's, it's you know, like for, for my years, like this is a record that's, you know, I've, I've listened to it for a year. It's, you know, still, I still dig it. That, that like never happens. So it makes me feel even more stoked about our choice to self title it. Um, just intuitively, just feels good. I, I like, I, I know I'm, I haven't been this enthusiastic about a record a year after it's been recorded. I, I typically move on pretty quickly. Just try to write new stuff. Um, yeah. And in the info around the album, there's a pointed mention of the literary work of Cormac McCarthy. I'm assuming that means you guys have done away with quotation marks and commas and stuff this time. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get that joke? Uh, I don't re- read uh, McCormick in, or whatever he just said, <laughs> but I, I got the literary joke in general. I thought it was funny. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you get it as well as you think you get it. <laughs> Do, do you did you know that? I'm sure he has a he has a particular writing style. Well, he doesn't use any quotation marks. That would drive me crazy. It does drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've read uh, The Road and No Country for Old Men, and it. it oh, he wrote The Road. Okay, I, I didn't know right? that. Right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We've written a song about the road. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was the joke. <laughs> so. <laughs> When you laughed, I was like, does JT know that he does that? No, I'm just familiar with literary works that have like particular writing styles, and I was just made the assumption that he had one as well. So I was right. Yeah. You said you wrote a song about the road. Is that the one that this uh, press release is referring to, or is it Blood Marini, which also popped up on Instagram? Uh, the, the the song about the road was in was was on the record Drift. Um, this. This record it doesn't have any lyrics like specifically about Cormac McCarthy. I, th- th- that's something I'd probably not do in 2020 is like write a write a song that is literally just about another piece of like another creative thing. Um, but definitely there are like a couple lines that are like very much influenced by Cormac McCarthy. Like just just some things that are said that like I would never have thought of they, they wouldn't exist if i didn't read like we refer to the heart as ruby meat in one song that's like directly like lifted from blood meridian it refers to to the heart as, as ruby meat that's like that's i thought that was really sick um just little stuff like that just like little little nods the if you know you know type nods that's cool so you're not doing a full-on uh iron maiden-esque rhyme of the ancient mariner or odyssey or something was that? Yeah, I'm not. Morning? I'm not sure what that refers to, but <laughs> I, I, contextually, I believe my answer would be no. We're not doing that. And on one of the early no. albums, Maiden did like a 13-minute song that's just doing a, an epic poem called "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." It's like literally just the poem and then set to galloping rhythms. Oh no way! Yeah, no, nothing, nothing like that. <laughs> but um, you, you can you can just tell like 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 his. His prose is very distinct, and I mean, if, if you have read enough of that, and you look at some moments in our lyrics, kind of be like, ah, oh, this dude's just trying his hand at ripping off old Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> no, no concept record. <laughs> I mean, a concept album about some of his works would be some of the most bleak, depressing things you could do, and that's probably for the best. Um, There's some band that did a that did a concept EP, and it was literally just all about blood murder like there was a song called the judge and um but anyway i don't know if it's good or not i don't think i've heard it but i thought that was interesting uh also skimming info about the new album uh it looks like everyone did backing vocals on house of glass uh was this on like a an, something done on purpose because it's about like self-harm and loss and something that kind of people might be, all be able to relate to or is it just happens to be something that was listed online that might not actually be true Oh, I think I know what they're talking about. <clears throat> you want to explain? Everyone did vocals. Yeah, they're um, talking about the the my the the end, the cycling. My sleep is deep. Oh, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that was just like a moment where we kind of like, pretty much anytime like we have like any gang vocals or guests, like, like it, any group vocal stuff on a record, we just kind of round up whoever is in the studio that day and just kind of use their voices to talk in the microphone. And on, on this particular day we had, we had seven um, people. Yeah, it was, it was me and JT and Connor, our bass player. And two of, our friends were, two of our friends were there shooting video and our friend Brennan was there, who, who was our merch guy. And then we all just, yeah, we all just like got in the booth and we all just said this line. Like, like, having all those people in the studio that day was an advantage. So I was like, okay, this is a good time to get this part done that I've been envisioning where just like a bunch of people whispering my sleep was deep and I did not dream. And we just stacked that and put it at the end. You can't really hear those words. It just kind of sounds disorienting and chaotic because it's just like a ton of voices just layered on top of each other saying that over and over again to make it just kind of sound more crazy. The end of that song is meant to sound like really chaotic, like you're like losing your mind. We put some like, we use this thing called a theremin. Um, and it's an instrument technically, but it just like, it makes like electromagnetic noise based off of your body so like you like put your hand towards it and it like reacts and makes crazy noises and you draw it away and it like gets more high pitched and yeah and then we did like some ambient ebo stuff there's like a lot of stuff happening at the end of that song just to make it sound really disorienting sounds like a like a nuclear bomb alarm <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like a, like a siren tornado siren or something yeah uh, listeners unfamiliar with theremin, it's also in Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys, which I imagine it sounds nothing like in your song. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go listen to that song. And I didn't know that either. That's uh, where yeah. I first became aware of what it actually was, and then everything clicked for me there. But I, I So it goes, I'm not fascinated by the theremin. It goes higher pitch when you get closer to it. I've never played one. I've only seen them and been afraid of it's them. It's really cool. <clears throat> it seemed, uh, we're going to, I posted a video of it on my Instagram and we have some more video of it that I, that I, th- I think we'll post eventually. But um, but I like the f- the first time that I like had ever seen one or messed with one. The the, the first take that we got for House of Glass is one we used. So the take that we used on the record was me not really knowing what I was doing. Like I just uh, Carson, the engineer, sitting next to me, and he just like I like. Re- he just push space bar and I'm just doing it over the music and he'd be like, okay, now bring your hand out. And then it'd be like, and he'd be like, okay, bring it right down. And be like, like, so yeah, farther away was higher pitched and then you would go in and it would go lower. So I was just like, so really what's captured is just this boyish fascination that he's <laughs> discovering, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. It's cool. Cause it's like a very intuitive instrument. You know what I mean? It's like, I just like, was basically just pretending like I was a wizard. Just like, <laughs> like I know there's no video here, so you can't see my hand, but I was just like casting a spell on this little magic orb thing, and it just made crazy sound. But but, but we got probably like three or four takes of it, and the first one had the most character. And uh, it, it's cool recording stuff like that on a record because because it's not like you know when I'm writing guitar, or like when JT's writing lyrics and vocals like we're all like very meticulous and everything's like very um 
you know what I mean? Like you're playing the specific note and that specific note, but the theremin and some of the stuff we do on the Evo, it's like totally intuitive. It's just like, you just do a bunch of takes and you pick the one that sounds the most vibey and you could never replicate it. Like, like whatever we recorded on that theremin and most of what we recorded with the Evo or with the ambient stuff, like if you asked me to play it again, I don't think I could. It's just, that makes it kind of more fun that you just have this totally organic thing on the record. So I don't, fans should not expect to go out with a theremin on the road. For no, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> JT. Yeah, let me, let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> let me do it for sure. One of the times I saw Coheed and Cambria, Claudio had a theremin and it was amazing, but ultimately ridiculous. Great. Band. I think that's awesome. I think, I think if you can do it and like, cool i think that's sweet i'd be so stoked if i saw i saw him come out with this big head of hair just casting spells on stage making crazy noises it was during extended break on the end complete no uh the final cut yeah that's it anyway oh i love that song it's a great song does not need theremin though that's sick (laughs) that sounds like a very sick experience That was Gungrave from Era's self-titled album, which will be out March 19th. I'll have more with JT and Jesse shortly, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere in this episode. Pliny discusses his musical origins. Um, I guess the first band, the first band I ever had, I don't think we ever gave ourselves a name, but it was with a couple of high school friends, and we covered a lot of like Queens of the Stone Age and Mastodon and bands like that. Um, cool. The first thing that was named was a solo project, which was called Halcyon, uh, which was meant to become a band but never really did and sounded like a shittier version of what I do now. <laughs> I, I'm very curious about the, the Queens of Stone Age Mastodon one because I'd say your sound now doesn't really bring those bands to mind. And like, Were you a stoner rock guy or like a sludgy dude? Yeah, I mean, I still love those two bands. I'm trying to think what else we played. Uh, a bunch of Lamb of God and Trivium. And it was like pretty much anything that was like cool rock music or in a Guitar World magazine about 15 years ago.
Pliny's latest album, Impulse Voices, is out now. You can get your copy now over at pliny.bandcamp.com or over at Sheet Happens. Then you can hear my full chat with him back on episode 89 at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. And before I wrap my conversation with JT and Jesse from ERA, here are some of their cover of the Queens of the Stone Age classic, You Think I Ain't Worth a Dollar, But I Feel Like a Millionaire. Uh, in your merch store, there's currently a movie poster inspired by Snowblood. Uh, what would happen in this film, and uh, who would star in it? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, JT, I'm curious who you think would star in it. Should I troll answer or give a real answer? <laughs> call me, call me. <laughs> Jason Statham. Is it about family? <laughs> no, it's final. It's fast. It's Fast Five. I'll solve the Fast Five cast. Snowblood? Uh, Snowblood? No. Well, it's a samurai movie, I think. If you well, look up Snowblood without context on Google. But that's not I what the so- song is about. I can help out here. Uh, it's a movie called Lady Snowblood. <laughs> oh, is it Lady Snowblood? It was like the, yeah, it, it was like the movie that inspired... Have you seen, have you seen Kill Bill? Um, like Lucy Liu's character... Like very much based on Lady Snowblood, um, but the song is like all the lyrics are like meant to feel like kind of a horror movie, like uh, a lot of the words used like crypt. What is it? Crawling out of the crypt to bleed the living dry in his fantasy. The villains when the heroes die. Like 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 it has, it's supposed to kind of feel like a horror movie. So if there was a Snowblood movie, I imagine it would probably be a zombie film. <laughs> I had a vision like burning barrels and like chains in the music video. <laughs> Nothing else. Barrels. Just those two. Like, a, like, like the slaughterhouse <laughs> where the final battle versus like Jason would be. <laughs> and it's that the course taking place in this battle is Statham versus Diesel. One in chains, one holding burning <laughs> barrels. <laughs> The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson versus Jason X. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't, uh, JT, didn't, didn't, like, isn't that, like, one of the Fast and Furious movies? Doesn't Jason Statham fight The Rock? We're off again. Yeah, it's like a whole spinoff, right? Oh, well, yeah, I don't really even know. Oh, it's, I think it's called Hobbs and Shaw. Acting like you don't know. Yes, it is. I haven't seen, I don't think (laughs) I saw that one. I haven't seen a single one of them, but that I can't escape that that just being in the zeitgeist. Are they good? Well, you're with, you're with the rest of the band. They always roast me for how much I love movies like that. <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got nothing but time to catch up on stuff like that. So I I mean, if they were stream, I think they are on HBO. I've been meaning I will. All right, you you, you made me. You convinced me. I'm going to see him. Thank you. We got we got Jesse to watch all of Star Wars uh, recently. How, yes. How was that? But- I'm like really into it, like I'm like I'm, I'm like just rewatching them now. Nice. And I like played like Jedi Fallen Order and I watched The Mandalorian. Yeah, I'd never seen Star Wars ever until like two months ago, and to my surprise, I'm into it. Are we talking totally about all it. nine or all all of them? I Good. Everything. How um, how is the first? How is the like, prequel trilogy upon like fresh eyes? at this stage <laughs> I thought I thought those movies sucked 
personally. But um, the, I mean, still, there are things to enjoy. Like there, like there is some charm to it, but it's so few and far between that it's like, it's just it's pretty painful. But but it was worth it to me at that point because I'd already really enjoyed the originals, particularly, you know, Empire Strikes Back. So at that point, I was invested enough to where it was like worth sitting through a bad Star Wars movie. But um, no, dude, those movies are not good. I mean, they're just they're just not like they're rough. But uh, but yeah, still, there's still some cool stuff. Like Revenge of the Sith was not bad. It's not not terrible. I, I forgive all of Phantom Menace because it gives you um, Duel of Fates. That's worth all two and a half hours. Just that song. Fair. Yeah. That song was sick. That's I like. I thought pod racing was super super cool. That game's super Cause fun. Because I, I played all those games. Yeah. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, th- that pod racing game's super fun. They just did a reissue of it for Switch and stuff, and I've been having a great time being nice. terrible at that all over again 20 years later. Yeah. Because I was not good then. I'm not good now. Um, how did you guys first land on the decision to cover Millionaire by Queens of Stone Age? I mean, uh... I honestly, <laughs> I, I just, I was fishing because I knew we had to do a cover and I knew it was going to come down to me me selecting a song that I knew Jesse would be like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I just picked a happy medium and then... I don't. There wasn't much discussion. I think we just said, well, "What if we just did this song?" Everybody was like, "Yeah, that, that works," and we just did it. I remember. I I feel like there you was, had a list. Yeah, I I, I feel like, I feel like it came down to like three songs, and I was like, "What do you think?" And I, and I remember you specifically. You, your answer convinced me the most. You were just like that one, absolutely, and I was like, "Yeah," because that because because millionaire. It uh, it already sounds like a song that would be metal. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for whenever we're talking about doing covers. This is like a song that would translate well into like a heavy song, particularly a song that sounds like Era. And um, that song, it's like in drop C. Like most of the the riffing is like groovy and on the low string, and none of the vocals are melodic. It's like already got kind of screaming vocals, and there's like a big pause in the middle that goes into like a little breakdown. And we did that, Like we stuck true to the song in some ways. Then we took liberties in other ways, but like, you know, there's like seven beats of silence before the part kicks back in at the end for like the one last big drop. And we also did seven beats of silence. So like try to try to stay true to it, but also like, you know, there are moments that don't happen in the original. Like there's a, there's a, a little melodic bridge that doesn't happen at all in the original that we added in just to give it some era flavor. But, um, yeah, I'm really happy that I, I'm super stoked that we did that cover. That's like one of my like most proud things in era just because it's just, because it, it, it wasn't really for anyone. It was kind of for us. You know what I mean? It was just something that was like, it, it, it was kind of a obscure cover, you know, like, like even in like the realm of Queens of the Stone Age, it's not, like people who are casual fans of Queens of Stone Age may not know that song, but people that love that band definitely know that song mm-hmm. and definitely know that record. So it was kind of like a little, a little tip of the hat to like era fans who also happen to be Queens of Stone Age fans. They're one of those bands I don't see covered ever. So that alone made it really cool. And then you guys did some really cool shit with it. 
Uh, you said there was a short list, or is that are those other songs that could be done in the future, or are those just out the window? Ooh, scheming. We'll, ne- we'll never tell. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there are there are some uh, some more more info to come on that, but um, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I guess an answer we can say is uh, from doing the Queen's, the Queen's cover, we definitely like had planned to do more because it was just so it was so stimulating <laughs> to to do that cover. So it's like yeah, so we definitely are, all got on the same page about doing more covers like that, and and, and it's going to be stuff like that where it's like may not be like a huge song from a huge artist, but we're just going to cover little deep cuts that we like that we think will translate well into era songs. There's, I feel like doing covers and putting ourselves in situations where we would like add some, I don't know, creative elements to, to spice up that version of our cover also makes us learn things about what we could use for actual era content too. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, like the Queens cover, like I would love to have, an original era song that kind of has that sort of flow. It's just like very rhythmic and groovy and it just feels fun. Mm-hmm. Very tongue in cheek. Like I think, it, I, I think it did have a little bit of an effect on certain aspects of the new record, but there was you know. a, there's a song on the new record, uh, shadow autonomous. They where the entire song drops out like halfway through a riff. Was that inspired by the, the break in millionaire? Because like you saying that, I can see kind of a connection, but not necessarily, I guess. We have a lot of drops on this <laughs> album, actually. There's so many instrumental like chokes, or whatever you want to call them, for for like effect. Yeah, the, the one the one in, I would say no, I, like not 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 as a direct influence, because um, I, I mean, Queens of the Stone Age does things that I would never think to do. Um, which is why I think they're 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 cool. They do unpredictable things, but but yeah, like like making no sound whatsoever for seven beats is kind of crazy. <laughs> like that's like such a long gap. Like every time anyone hears that song, they think it's over, and then it goes. <clears throat> Honestly, the main riff for Electric Twilight kind of has a vibe that Millionaire has. Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that song has kind of like a, like a, like, like a, a goofy ho- sort of. Ho- we say, vibe. I thought you were going to say hokey. I was going to say hokey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like the, like the bridge, the one that our merch guy Brandon calls it the circus bridge. Um, I, I guess he thinks it sounds like a circuit. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. But, but parts like that, like wacky things like that, like are definitely not like directly influenced by anything, but, but yeah, like I mentioned that sort of tongue in cheek nature of a lot of Queen songs. I think that just, just that sort of energy of just like, ah, let's not take yourself too seriously. Like I think in parts like that, it, it, that's where that those influence influences translate. So not a direct translation of, of Queens of Stone Age influence, but definitely that spirit of just being like, Let's just have fun and groove and do what feels right. Write a, write a quote-unquote circus riff, as, as Brennan calls. When I hear circus riff, my mind goes to, like, Mr. Bungle or 
some Primus. I can't imagine it's like that, though. Primus. Nice. No, definitely not that far, but uh, (laughs) somewhere somewhere in between, I guess. Cool. Uh, I want to bring. I'm gonna hear this record and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" It doesn't sound like any. (laughs) It doesn't. That's sound like like anything that we've described. That's like my favorite thing in the world. Like my band and I just wrote a song that's like a thrash song with a Primus intro, a Doom breakdown, and then it ends with like a post rock thing. But I'm sure people are gonna hear it and not make that connection. Do you guys have those kind of labels on your riffs and chunks of your song? Cool. Well, we get stuff all the time. I'm just like, how do you hear that at all? I don't know. I, I think that happens a lot with like, like when you have like other songwriters um, like in your circle or like, like other peers and other bands that, that write songs for their, like in their band and then your band sound alike, but you know that you're listening to the same things that are influencing your sound. So people will be like, uh, like, but like for us, they'll say like that riff sounds like silent planet or, or Northland, you know? And then it's like, well, Northland listens to a lot of Carnival and Tool and Deftones, stuff like that, which is also like a direct influence in our bands. I feel like, I feel like bands like ours and Silent Planet and Northland, like we all kind of developed our songwriting chops by listening to similar things. So, so yeah, so, so, so people like that are just directly involved in the scene will hear other bands in the scene where when we hear those other bands, we hear those direct influences that know they're listening to. Like, like I, like, Carnival's a big one when it comes to North Plain. Uh, I'll go ahead and start winding down uh, with a couple more questions. Um, do you guys think Furnace Fest will happen this year that you are currently slated to be a part of? I hope so. Uh, yeah. So what, September? Finger it's hard to say. Okay. Alabama's, a, Alabama's uh, very stubborn when it comes to um, COVID stuff. I see it every day. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, like because it's in Alabama, I think there's a chance it could happen. But the thing is, it doesn't really matter if they're gung ho about it. Like if, if they, like if they're determined to do it and they don't give a shit about the virus, that doesn't really have, it doesn't really make a difference if all the bands decide that like, it, like if, if it comes time to do the festival and the bands decide that it's still not a good time to do it and they don't want to play the festival, then it's out of the festival's control. Um, but my my gut tells me that things could be okay by then, but what the fuck is that worth? Like, I, what does my gut know about coronavirus? Um, but yeah, as long as it's safe and everyone is like cool with all those with, with bands coming back and no one's fucking picketing saying fucking <laughs> go inside and get off stage, and we're gonna do it, you know. But. I don't know. It's like a weird time, right? Because everyone wants to get back to it, but no one wants to create a stir and no one wants to be a part of the problem. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in September. Dude, I don't fucking know. Uh, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we want to play. Yeah, basically, we're just waiting to see if it's okay. You don't want to be Smash Mouth at Sturgis? But did they play earlier or something? Yeah, they played Sturgis last summer or something, and lots of cases happened around it, so... All that to hear, All Star. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. We, we just don't want to like, cause yeah, it's, it's like JT said, like in Alabama, you know, it's a red state, so a lot of people are, you know, anti anti masking and shit, which I don't back that, but um, but yeah, if there was anywhere where like it would happen right now, a, a red state is probably a place where the festival would end up happening. But again, that's not, not gonna 
that's not going to be the determining factor if you have a bunch of bands that believe that's wrong and they're on the bill, you know, because all the bands that are on it right now are the bands that confirmed it last year. So, oh, who knows? A lot could happen right now in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah was... we've announced this tour once, right? Uh, for for last year, you know, it's literally got pushed twelve months later. Um, so we'll see. Uh, do you guys have any like live stream plans in the in lieu of immediate touring with the new album dropping next week? Next week? Um, I don't, don't want to do. We're just trying to figure out time. Well, well it's also kind of like I don't know. Yeah, we don't have any information on that. I mean. If if touring's coming back that that soon, then I don't I don't I don't know. It, it, it makes it more up in the air. Like it, like it was something we we talked about like um as as being a real possibility. But if we're getting back as early as September, maybe maybe not. I have no answer. Clearly, that's such a non-answer. <laughs> no, no information. <laughs> that's what people come to my podcast for. Um, yeah of course i mean i i totally understand like ndas and stuff around being in bands who are like teasing stuff and releasing stuff but i i tommy from bt bam on multiple occasions has lied to me about stuff they're doing so i don't take it personally anymore except from tommy and bt bam (laughs) are you guys just tell you (laughs) i couldn't say it's like, are you guys going to do this? No. Okay, next week and it's announced. It's fine. I, I don't take it personally. You guys got to make your surprises. I completely respect that. If that's what you're doing. I back that. Cool. <laughs> I back that answer. I'm saying no. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you for dealing with my technical issues as I... No worries. And, Happy uh, to have Of course. And uh, you two have the good rest of your day. Uh, enjoy whatever you got planned. Yeah, man. Thanks. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, later, fellas. self-titled album will be out march 19th via unfd you can get your copy now at the link in the episode description or at eraband.com then keep up with them at facebook.com era.music that's e-r-r-a dot music now to conclude this episode i am recommending the australian progressive band introspect the band blend gent rhythms post-rock atmosphere and soaring vocals into a unique prog sound on friday march 19th the band will release their ep midnight sun from that ep here is mjolnir in its entirety
You can keep up with Introspect and get your copy of Midnight Sun by heading to introspect-prog.bandcamp.com and facebook.com slash introspect.prog. As always, I'd like to invite you to head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. There you can find all the social media stuff for the show, past episodes, the store link. If you're in a band, you can hit me up on there to be featured on the show, and you can find friends of mine. Then, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad, from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.